have I got a show for you. I've no idea what I'll do. Not true. Welcome, my friends, to this charming tableau. Have I got a show for you. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of Strangely and Friends the Podcast. It's so good to be back. I uh, I know the podcast has been away for a while, but uh, I'm really excited to be back in the saddle and doing a podcast for all of you. It's going to be a little bit weird this week for a couple of reasons. One is I am not at my studio. I am out at a tiny cabin in a distant location where I will be for a while. So uh, one of the things is uh, there won't be a guest this week. I'm going to work on getting guests next week, but I don't have my normal editing uh, rig here. And my little Chromebook that I keep thinking of as my laptop doesn't actually do multi-track editing, which is what I usually use to produce this podcast. So for this episode, I'm just doing it all, all in one take, all straight along. So if you hear me take a sip of coffee or uh, whatever, that's all just part of the show. Uh, yeah, so hopefully this goes well. I am really glad to be back doing the podcast. I, uh, I, uh, I, I took some time off rather suddenly because I was working a part-time job and uh, 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 helping uh, do some booking for a uh, venue. And also I was taking 20 <laughs> credits at school, which is way too many credits. But uh, the quarter is done and uh, I am currently waiting for my grades. And the booking job is obviously on hold because it's, uh, it's the, the, there's uh, some corona things going on. If you're listening to this in the future, I'm glad we made it through okay. Uh, if you're listening to this now, I think we're going to make it. Uh, so take care of yourselves, friends. And uh, yeah, uh, I, I've kind of tried to fill, uh, fill the podcast, even though there's no guest. Uh, and um, I, I hope it's still a good episode. For next week, I'm working on getting my phone set up so that I can record phone conversations. And I can, I can have guests call in, which would just be tremendous, because then I could get... I could get guests from other countries and stuff that I've wanted to have on the podcast for a long time and have them uh, share their their things with you folks. So uh, yeah, I I already mentioned coronavirus. Um, that seems like the current zeitgeist. So let's just move on from from current events and uh, speak of them no more. Strangely recommends in two hundred words or less, including these eleven. WHO IMPOSED THIS RULE?! <clears throat> the Rise of the Indian Rope Trick by Peter Lamont It can be hard to recommend books about stage magic to non-magicians because their technical nature often renders them inaccessible. Also unworthy are expose books that happily ruin magicians' secrets, not to learn how to accomplish tricks, but to arm a certain type of insufferable truculent butthead. Thankfully, this book is neither. Instead, the reader is treated to the colorful history of one of magic's most famous illusions, which may not even be real. What is the Indian rope trick, you ask? Simply put, a magician from that particular subcontinent throws a rope up into empty air, which stays aloft, supported by nothing. A small boy climbs to the top of the rope and disappears. Or does he? What is meant by rope? Could a small girl accomplish the same feat? All these questions and more are pondered by Lamont within this small volume. 
full of dubious psychics, blustering English lords, and conmen turned reporters turned secret service chiefs. A cracking good read that also manages to be a well-researched work of serious history and challenges Orientalism to boot. This is normally where I talk to a guest. There's no guest this week, but because I'll be doing phone interviews for future guests, if you'd like to be a guest, even if we can't be in the same place, please let me know. I'd love to have a listener be a guest and we could like talk about your favorite episodes or, or what you're doing indoors to stay occupied. So uh, yeah, stay tuned. Here's a thought. Go big with go home? I've heard all kinds of things these days about what to do with excess free time, but so many of them sound like gigantic projects that are daunting and involve phrases like, well, you know William Shakespeare, or Isaac Newton used isolation too, but frankly, that's kind of a tall order. I know some other voices have called for radical amounts of self-care, like binging entire seasons of television programs, and I must confess, I'm finally digging into Earth Final Conflict in the most meaningful way I have since high school, but why not find something in the middle? And so, here are four suggestions of things you could work on in your spare time that are small-ish, but that could pay massive dividends in the future. Number one, write every single day. I know I've advocated for the daily practice of writing or reading or what have you, but this isn't about writing a novel. This is about writing something which will bring pleasure at once, today. So why not write haiku? They're easy to write, short, and don't even have to rhyme. Plus, you could always write them in the mist on your bathroom mirror and then they're gone. Transient haiku. Or why not limericks? Also short, but also possessed of infinite possibility for complexity and whimsy, here's a sample limerick by Edward Lear. There was an old man whose despair induced him to purchase a hare, where on one fine day he rode wholly away, which partly assuaged his despair. The best part is, you never have to show these to anyone. Lear didn't, at least not all of them. If you've ever dreamed about writing novels or songs or long poems or letters, start with something small. You'll find that inside two weeks, you'll be champing at the bit to write something longer. Number two, perfect a recipe. I'm not talking about baking the perfect souffle or a rendered duck fat confit. I'm talking about something simple, something you like to eat and something that takes less than half a dozen ingredients. It could already be something you know how to cook, but maybe it's not perfect yet. I've been frying and eating crepes for over 20 years, and it's only in the last five that I really feel I'm reliably getting the texture, shape, color, and taste that I have always liked best. Instead of a hit and miss proposition, I can look forward to them. Plus, they've gone from a difficult and vaguely harrowing process to something I can do in my sleep, which means before coffee, which means or lazy mornings with Earth Final Conflict. That's what I'm going to do tomorrow. <clears throat> Where was I? Ah, yes. Perfect something. Every home, every stove, every water source, all are a thousand thousand different variables that affect the conditions for something as simple as boiling an egg. Why not calibrate your boiled egg time? Every morning, spend an extra moment and write down exactly what you did. Hey! Come to think of it, that'll satisfy suggestion number one as well. Look at you multitasking. Number three, 
get in shape. This sounds easy, but it's practically impossible. What you have to do is sit very, very still and imagine you are a shape. Any shape will do. I've been working on rhombus for almost a decade and it's finally starting to pay off. I've heard that rhombus is favored by people who don't care about perfection and secretly think they aren't capable of square, but that's baloney. If you've ever wanted to learn to be circle, dodecahedron, or any shape at all, why not start today? With practice and diligence in no time, you could be a proud pentagram. And really, who wouldn't want to be? Number four, do a someday. We've all got a horde of these slinking around our houses. Why not cross one off the list? I'm talking about things that take so little time or effort that it's easy to forget them. But if you're anything like me, they contribute to the overall sense of accomplishment that helps me sleep at night. I'm not talking about a massive Marie Condor type home cleaning where she glides in on her perfect black wings and helps you sort through your extra piles of carrion to find the perfect balance for your home. I've never watched that show. I, I assume that's what happens in it. I mean, her name is Marie Condor. What else would it be about? She's what? I can hear some of you shouting at the podcast from here. Oh, I'm sorry. It's Condo? Why? Who would watch that show? My show idea is better. Where was it? Uh, regardless, I'm talking about a small task. Something really simple. Like putting up that poster of that band you saw last summer. Or tightening the screw on that one doorknob. I'm sure if you're listening to this in the car right now, there's something you wish you were home right now to jump up and do. Otherwise, I'm sure some of you are pausing this right now. We'll be here until you get back. I hope that was good. Anyway, I'm sure you've got a something. Maybe it's just texting an old friend and saying, sup. That's a good one. Everyone needs a fun little note these days. I need more coffee. Pokey Fright, have you heard about the two Escobars? This documentary was produced in conjunction with ESPN for their 30 for 30 documentaries program, which is a thing. I don't know much about sport, but ESPN is apparently the Jelly's Marble Runs of human sports, so that's cool. All japes aside, this is a fantastic documentary. You've doubtless heard of Pablo Escobar, the Colombian drug kingpin who was basically a law unto himself in Colombia in the 80s and 90s. But have you heard of Andres Escobar? No relation. Andres was one of Colombia's biggest soccer stars in the early 1990s and actually represented his country in the 1994 World Cup. The Colombian team really, really hoped to win the World Cup because it would changed the image of Colombia from a country that was overrun with drug lords and violence to one that was a nation of soccer. It's a, it's a really like fascinating story and it has more twists and turns than you would expect, including the fact that soccer players from all around the world were being flown into Pablo Escobar's private compound to play exhibition matches for him and his rich friends to bet millions of dollars on. As my above comments indicate, I'm not much one for sports, but this story had me riveted. Part mafia drama, part sports film, part biopic. This is a documentary that watches like a thriller chock full of memorable characters. The international multi-billionaire drug kingpin who wears polo shirts like a suburban dad being the least among them.
give it a watch. I'm not saying it's any good, but at least now you've heard of it. This is normally where I do Song of the Week, but I really wanted to share something else with you. I read Huckleberry Finn back in January, and there was a part in the book where Huckleberry Finn runs into these two con men, carpetbagger, traveling, shyster, make a buck anyway kind of guys. And the guys decide to put on a Shakespearean production, but they don't have all of the Shakespeare like plays accessible. So one of the guys recreates Hamlet's soliloquy from memory, and I think it's one of the funniest things Mark Twain ever wrote. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read you Hamlet's soliloquy, and then I'll read you the version from Mark Twain, just so you can really see what Twain is doing with it. So this is Hamlet's soliloquy from Hamlet, as normally delivered by Hamlet. And I'm not very Shakespearean, so I'll do my best here. <clears throat> to be or not to be, that is the question. Whether tis nobler in the mind to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune, or to take arms against a sea of troubles, and by opposing end them? To die, to sleep, no more. And by a sleep to say we end the heartache and the thousand natural shocks that flesh is heir to, tis a consummation devoutly to be wished. To die, to sleep, to sleep perchance to dream, eh, there's the rub. For in that sleep of death what dreams may come, when we have shuffled off this mortal coil, must give us pause. There's the respect that makes calamity of so long life. For who would bear the whips and scorns of time, the oppressor's wrong, the proud man's contumely, contumely? Oh man, there's some Shakespearean nerd who's listening to this screaming at me right now. I'm sorry. The pangs of despised love, the law's delay, the insolence of office, and the spurns that patient merit of the unworthy takes, when he himself might his quietest make, with a bare bodkin. Who would fardels bear to grunt and sweat under a weary life, but that the dread of something after death, the undiscovered country from whose born no traveler returns, puzzles the will and makes us rather bear those ills we have than fly to others that we know not of? Thus conscience does make cowards of us all, and thus the native hue of resolution is sicklied o'er with the pale cast of thought, and enterprises of great pitch and moment with this regard their currents turn away, and lose the name of action. Soft you now, the fair Ophelia, nymph in thy Aresians, be all my sins remembered. So that was uh, Hamlet's soliloquy from Hamlet, and now here is the Duke's version of Hamlet's soliloquy from Mark Twain's Huckleberry Finn. To be or not to be, that is the bare bodkin that makes calamity of so long life. For who would fardels bear till Burnham would do overcome to Dunsinane? Dunsinane. But that the fear of something after death murders the innocent sleep great nature's second course, and makes us rather sling the arrows of outrageous fortune than fly to others that we know not of. There's the respect must give us pause. Wake, Duncan, with thy knocking, I would thou couldst. For who would bear the whips and scorns of time, the oppressor's wrong, the proud man's contumely, the law's delay, and the quietest with which his pangs might take? 
in the dead waste and middle of the night when churchyards yawn in customary suits of solemn black, but that the undiscovered country from whose born no traveler returns breaks forth contagion on the world, and thus the native hue of resolution like the poor cat I the adage is sicklied o'er with care, and all the clouds that lowered o'er our housetops with this regard their currents turn awry and lose the name of action. Tis a consummation devoutly to be wished, but soft you, the fair Ophelia, ope not thy ponderous and marble jaws, but get thee to a nunnery. Go! (laughs) I hope you all enjoyed that as much as I did. I was weeping listening to that uh uh reading that bit in the uh the mark twain book just because it's so close and yet so completely wrong and i love that because it like i i i've spent the last six months in this intensive training to be a historian at uh, university and one of the things that you really have to come up against is that the longer after an event somebody is telling you the story of it the less accurate their memory is likely to be. One of the things that was really interesting about the uh, book that I just read about the Indian rope trick that I mentioned earlier in the program today is that they did a study of every witness who had seen the Indian rope trick performed and the longer after they'd seen it that they delivered their first uh, account of it. So if they said, I saw it five years ago or I saw it 25 years ago, the longer it had been, the more fantastical their account of the rope trick was, which I just find that really, really fascinating. And Twain obviously understood that in terms of people's memories because he's got that happening in Huckleberry Finn, which I think is great. Resolution update. So uh, those of you who listened to the podcast on my birthday, I made a bunch of New Year's resolutions, and I've decided that every episode I'll give some updates on them. So here are the six resolutions. Number one, read Moby Dick. I haven't started this one yet, but I'm coming for Ahab. I'm going to get him. He better watch out. Number two, learn to understand my carbon footprint. So I mentioned in the last episode that learning to understand my carbon footprint started with understanding my caloric footprint. In other words, understanding the economies and ecology of my own body and what I'm putting into it, and etc. So I started logging my calories in and out, and it's interesting what I've discovered. It seems I was on a horrendous yo-yo with my body, eating too little during periods when I was super active and eating way too much during periods of relaxation. Armed with this knowledge, I've entered a new period of experimentation in my newfound isolation. More details to follow. Number three, learn Finnish. So I got accepted into a study abroad program in Italy this summer, so I might switch to Italian. I just got the news on this like a week ago, so I'm still kind of mulling it over. For now, I'm still working on Finnish. Number four, quit watching streaming stuff. Wow, did I pick the worst possible year to make dumping streaming a thing um so i've kind of decided that i'm still going to try not to watch streaming i may make exceptions and watch movies that were supposed to be in theaters that have gotten dumped onto streaming so 
like uh, that movie uh, Emma, which I actually saw in theaters before this all happened. Uh, that's on streaming now. So like, if I had missed that in theaters and then suddenly it was on streaming, I think that would be okay. I'm still mulling it over because I really just don't want to get back into the habit of coming home, throwing on Netflix or YouTube or what have you. So, so far I haven't binged anything on streaming. We'll see how that goes. Number five, make at least 36 episodes of this podcast. Whoo boy. At the rate I've been going this year, I am not going to make it. I've got to make more than three per month to hit my par. It's going to be tricky, but I might be able to do it. Plus, I don't think I'm ever going to do a 20 credit quarter ever again. So, also, I'm all alone in a tiny house in the middle of nowhere. So, working up content is going to be a cinch. Number six, read 52 books. I've read 21 books so far this year, so I'm already nearly halfway. New segment, 50 word movie reviews. Uh, little Strangely's note for listeners, this was written before the coronavirus thing became a thing. This was actually written about two months ago. I've updated the statistics, but just roll with this and hopefully we'll all be going to the movie theater again by summer. Um, but I, I still think that, that this is somewhat relevant. Anyway, you'll see. Here we go. 50 word movie reviews. <clears throat> I know that this podcast is mostly resistant to being current eventsy. Yes, I know you can sense a great big butt headed our way around the corner of the block, but as a part of my project to build up my attention span in general, get outside more, and not be a YouTube zombie couch potato, I went out and got a Regal Unlimited pass. The gist is, for about $25 a month, I can see as many screenings as I want at any theater in their chain. If I can make it to 21 screenings in one year, I'll basically be seeing films for free because you have to commit to one year subscription. So I, I'm contracted to them and I have to keep paying for it. Anyway, I've already gone to 24 screenings so far this year. They clearly did not see me coming. All my Dutch uncles have crowned me current reigning favorite nephew. <laughs> Where was I? Oh yeah, yeah, okay. So as a compromise to myself, I will keep these reviews short just to give a quick opinion and mostly avoid filling up this podcast with things on current films. The reason I decided to change things up, I saw a pair of films I want to signal boost, both by female directors who did things a wee bit differently in their portrayals of women in cinema. Both films also kick lots of ass and are incredible times at the movies, so I want to let you know what I'm freaking out about. Anyway, these are the two films. Also, since I started writing this, I think both films are either out on streaming now or soon to be, so keep your eyes peeled for them. Birds of Prey. Here's what happens when you let different voices create things within the studio system. A big, zany crowd pleaser that feels like equal parts Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Scott Pilgrim, and Tank Girl. Is it an instant classic? No. But I'll be darned if I didn't have a rollicking good time. The Rhythm Section. As different from Birds of Prey as you can get. Grounded, painful, realistic, and yet somehow immensely cathartic. This woman goes from literal zero to superhero in a journey that feels earned. This is Emily Blunt's shotgun cocking at the end of A Quiet Place times a thousand. Damn. Mailbag. I'm not currently in Bellingham, but you can still send paper mail to, strangely, 
1000 Harris Avenue, Bellingham, Washington, 98225. I look forward to hearing from you. Also, in light of current regulations in some places and folks just generally trying to take care of themselves, I'll be relaxing my communication style for this podcast a little bit to include email and Patreon messages in the mailbag. So you don't have to worry about leaving the house to stay in touch. You can send emails to strangely.dusberg at gmail.com. That's S-T-R-A-N-G-E-L-Y dot D-O-E-S-B-U-R-G. Spelled like Dusberg, but it's pronounced Dusberg at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of Strangely and Friends, the podcast. I I know this was a little weird and awkward that I had to do it all in one take with the accordion strapped to my trunk. But uh, I hope I hope you all had fun anyway. And these will be coming out weekly again. So stay in touch because I it's going to be tricky for me to have guests on the podcast. I would love to have all of you send in questions and comments and thoughts to the email or via the Patreon so we can make, keep the interactivity and the, the life happening. Strangely and Friends, the podcast is usually produced at Sonic Suitcase Studios in Fairly Fine Fairhaven, Washington. However, it is currently being produced from a tiny cabin in the middle of nowhere. Sonic Suitcase Studios is located in the Morgan Block Building, part of the People's Land Trust. This podcast is made possible by my incredible supporters on Patreon. There's a bunch of new ones. Welcome to the show. I should have looked up your names. I'll do it for next week. I'm going to, I'll do a, a, like a patron credits thing next week. If you want to become a supporter of this podcast or drop me a message, if you're already a supporter or adjust your support, you can do that over at patreon.com slash strangely. Friends, the podcast is a Herringbone Society production. One last thing. Uh, I know times are a little weird right now, and I'm trying to bring joy to as many people as possible, so I am streaming almost nightly via Instagram. If you head over to at IamStrangely on Instagram, I usually start between 7.30 and 8.30 Pacific Time, and uh, I stream as long as people are there, and you can request songs or bits or whatever, and I'll try to keep you entertained. So hop on the stream, and let's see what we seem. for you. It's just me. What am I saying? I'm glad that I made it through. 
thank you for listening to this artsy tabaloo. When I did a show, when I did a show, when I did a show for you. Thanks for listening to this weird little show for you. I just realized I have to tell a joke. <clears throat> Where did the general keep his armies? In his sleeves. Ha 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 ha!